sometime on, sometimes on Easter Sunday, I, I think that I can kind of feel it, feel what's, what's going on all across the world. I don't know if you've ever had that sense that you, you understood just how much bigger this is than what we are experiencing right here. I, sometimes I feel like I can, I, I can just imagine that I'm praising alongside a billionish other human beings. I know we're spread over every time zone, but of course, when I imagine it in my head, you know, it, it's all happening at the same time in an open air service in Kenya somewhere, in a magnificent cathedral in England, in the humidity of a remote village in the Philippines, in a cramped apartment of some courageous elder in China, in a raucous stadium in Brazil, and in all these different languages, all these different experiences, these different cultures, these different perspectives, we're all gathered today to do the very same thing, to proclaim our central story. It's the most told story in the world. It's the story that has changed the history of our world more than any other. It's the story that has transformed countless lives. It's the story that can renew our hope, expand our faith, and help us walk through a troubled and anxious world in peace. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead just as he said would happen. Come see where his body was lying. The tomb is empty. Jesus is alive. Thanks be to God. But while the Easter story might be the most told and best known of all time, that doesn't mean that we don't need to keep coming back to it ourselves or that we don't need to think hard about how it is we tell it in our day and age. Recently, as a church, we considered a quality of what are called Mission Edge churches, called gospel fluency, the ability to express our beliefs in a way that the people around us are inclined to hear and able to understand. What does Easter mean? What does it matter to you? Why should it matter to somebody who has never paid much attention? to the claims of Christianity, or who has walked away from faith, or who is struggling with doubt in their life. Of course, Easter is why there is a church. On Good Friday, the enemies of Jesus wielded their state and religious power to kill him, believing that this would protect their influence, it would remove a threat, but it certainly did not work out as they hoped. On the cross, Jesus paid the debt of sin for all people, speaking those final words, it is finished. As God incarnate gave himself over not just to physical death, but to the emotional and spiritual agony of separation from the Godhead. And the demons celebrated, and the oppressors and abusers of this world rejoiced, but the necessary work of restoring the relationship between humanity and God was being done. And three days later, what looked like total defeat was revealed to be ultimate victory, sin overcome, hell overcome, death overcome. In 1 Corinthians 15, the Apostle Paul writes, what I received, I passed on to you, and it is the most important of all. Here is what it is. Christ died for our sins, just as the Scripture said he would. He was buried. He was raised from the dead on the third day, just as Scripture said he would be. He appeared to Peter. Then he appeared to the 12 apostles. After that, he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at the same time. But I can imagine someone, a normal person raised in our Canadian culture, saying, well, that's a nice myth you've got there, but even if it were somehow true, what does that have to do with me? 
And the answer that I would offer there is, is hope. That is why Easter matters to me. That is what I think it has to do with you and every other person who walks this earth. It is the greatest source of hope that can be found. And it's hope that I know that I need, and which I think everyone needs, particularly in two areas of their life, which I want to speak about this morning. There are two connected sources of fear or anxiety or hopelessness that affect everybody. And the hope of Easter speaks powerfully to this. And so the first source of fear or anxiety or hopelessness that every human faces at times is just this reality that, look, we only get to live these present lives of ours once. For, for some reason, this is something I've been reckoning with a bit recently. My thoughts have been more and more drawn to the passage of time. And I don't know if that's just because, you know, these last, this last season of life, we've kind of made it through those three rounds of bringing a new baby into the house and surviving that initial period and working your way through. And now things are opening back up again a little bit. And, and suddenly you just see, oh my goodness, how fast are these kids growing? This season of life is going to be gone before I know it. So how do I do this well? And at times, my thoughts have even been drawn into darker places, to thinking about my own mortality, about the amount of time I'll have to spend with, with those that I love around me. I recently started meeting again with a, a spiritual director, as someone you, you kind of chat with from time to time. They catch up, you talk about what's happening in your own soul. And I hadn't been chatting with him for a couple of years through the end of the pandemic, because again, this kid and baby thing seemed to be getting in the way. But I started back up, and so you're trying to catch him up from, well, here's what the last two years of life through the pandemic and a new child and through restarting church has been like, and, you know, how fast can you get through that? But I was talking about some of these things and saying, look, I don't know if, if is, it, is it God trying to awaken something important in me, trying to soften my heart in some way, or, or I don't know, maybe I'm just having a low-key midlife crisis as I reach the doorstep of middle age. I'm not sure. Maybe those aren't so different, Which is why the Bible says, teach us, Lord, to number our days so we can incline ourselves to wisdom. And I don't think by wisdom it means buying a sports car, so we'll see there. But Right? I only get to live this present life of mine once. And like anybody, I want that life to have meaning. I want to be happy. I want to know what is good. I want to avoid harming myself or others. I want to give all that I can to those that I care about. I want to be whole. Is there anybody who does not want these things? But how many people do you know who you think they're just nailing it in all those areas in their life? Like, who has it figured out? Not many, if any, right? Because we make bad choices that mess things up, and we fail at things, and we we fail to achieve the success we aim for or sustain the relationships we were sure we would have, and we get wounded, Tragedy and trauma come when they come, and they make it hard to be who we thought that we would be. Life can be hard. Often, it is. But Easter brings hope into this reality. God entered our world in the flesh. He became fully and truly one of us, without any of the, but without any of the brokenness that plagues us. And so he could actually do everything that God wanted. He lived in the way that we are all created to live. He was really the first true human. But he's not the last. 
the paraphrase of, uh, in the message of the Bible, does a nice job with the Romans chapter 29, and, uh, sorry, Romans chapter 8, verses 29 and 30, where the message paraphrase explains this a little bit more and says that God knew what He was doing from the beginning. He decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who love Him along the same lines as the life of His Son. The Son stands first in the line of humanity He restored. We see the original and intended shape of our lives there in Him. So we see the original intended shape of Jesus as He comes into this world, as He lives as a person should live. But then we see it again as He rises from the dead, as He comes and sees people in His resurrected body as proof of the promise that He has given to those around Him, eternal life. God's desire is to heal and restore us. And in knowing and in following the risen Christ, people find forgiveness to move on from failure. They find freedom from the pain and broken patterns that often come with our wounds. And for those anxious to make good use of however many days that we're going to get in this world, well, we have other things. We have the benefit of this book filled with the distilled wisdom of millennia. It has many words also of Jesus in it so we can learn what it looks like to live as we should. It has the successes and the failures of Jesus' disciples in it as well, so we can be reminded that nobody's going to get it right all the time. And it has a promise in it that God's Spirit is with those who follow Jesus. So there is power and guidance from God available to you and to me to help us to live well with joy and purpose. I have uncertainties about all kinds of things. But the one thing I'm as sure of as I think anyone can be is that the way of Jesus is good. It is a way of personal growth and maturity, a way of love, a way of wisdom for life's complicated questions, a way that leads people into deeper relationships with those around them, into community, a way that can heal our world. You only get to live this life once. You only get so much time with your parents, your children, your friends. You only get so much time to use your gifts and abilities and passions to do something in this world. And so Easter matters because it lifts Jesus up. It caused his church to come into being. It offers a good way to live that one and only life we get in this world. Because of Easter, there is hope for new beginnings. There is hope for making the most of these precious lives that we've been given. And that really takes us directly into that second thing, that second source of fear and anxiety and hopelessness that is pretty universal. And that's the, just that inescapable reality that at some point that most of us won't get to choose, we will die. We all understand that fact, but in our society, we increasingly do not know what to do with death. Fewer people even have funerals today. Often, those who gather to remember a friend or a loved one don't really know what to think or what to say because they refuse to give it any thought to that subject the rest of the time. But avoidance does not bring peace. See, I'd like to think I understand people who cannot bring themselves to believe what, Jesus, or what Christians believe. Right? There are plenty of things that can hold people back. There are lots of possible intellectual hang-ups. There are you know, people who are, are turned away by the, the, the hypocrisy of the church and Christians they've encountered. There are people who've been through horrible experiences of 
of abuse at the hands of those who profess to be Christians that just break my heart. What I have a harder time understanding is why anybody wouldn't want Christianity to be true. Right? Jesus' resurrection points the way to a hopeful future for everyone willing to trust the God who created and loves them. The Bible tells us of a new and, these new and resurrected bodies we will possess in a renewed creation where sickness and pain and death are banished, where we will be able to enjoy God and one another in a place of beauty and harmony forever. I mean, just, just hear these selections from Romans 8 for a moment. What hope for those who put their faith in Jesus? If, if none of my words are worth anything today, these words of Scripture are worth a great deal. So now... There is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. As Christ lives within you, so even though your body will die because of sin, the spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give to your mortal bodies by this same spirit. He will give life to your mortal bodies by this same spirit living within you. You have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. And now we call him Abba, Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. And in fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. We wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us and is sitting at the right uh, place of honor at God's right hand pleading for us. Can anything separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? No. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. This is the word of God. Share one other reflection on life and death and hope through Easter. Uh, this one from several authors of what's called, of the, called the Bible Project. And they say this about the hope found in Jesus' resurrection. They said, when Jesus is raised back to life, he exposes a well-hidden secret about death. We have, reasonably, assumed that death marks the ultimate end of human life, but Jesus' resurrection claims otherwise. The resurrection of Jesus means that we are his real brothers and sisters and will join him in resurrection life one day. 
His death and resurrection together shout, this lifeless end you fear is not real. Let love for God's ongoing way of life replace your fear of death. Fear of death is yet another lie that tricks us into hoarding resources instead of living generously. Fear of death deceives us into fighting with our neighbors and making swords and killing enemies. Unless a true human could show us that death is temporary and not ultimate. Another reason Jesus dies is to show us exactly that. And if we are paying attention to him, his way of love will slowly but surely drive out all fear of death. We can start forgiving and loving instead of hating and judging. We start to bless and not to curse. Jesus shows us that death is brutally tragic, but that is not the end. So look, I'm not sure if this Easter sermon will be what many people expected, but my desire and my prayer is that it will offer something to someone who is looking for a source of hope or has a need to renew their hope or even resurrect their hope today. I think of Jesus' disciples on that Good Friday and on that Holy Saturday, wondering if they had made a terrible mistake. Right? Is Jesus gone? Is it over? Have I thrown the last few years of my life away? I just don't know what is true anymore. They were under strain. They were exhausted. They were discouraged. They struggled to maintain any hope. And some of us could be in that place today or may end up in that place of fear or anxiety or hopelessness at one time or another. And the story of Easter says, don't give up. Don't give up when it's dark. A New Testament professor named Esau Macaulay was writing this week in the New York Times as someone who grew up with a lot of hopelessness. And he says, the indestructibility of hope might be the central and most radical claim of Easter, that three days after Jesus was killed, he returned to his disciples physically. And that made all the difference. Easter, then, is not a metaphor for new beginnings. It is about encountering the person who, despite every disappointment we experience with ourselves and with the world, gives us a reason to carry on. So he says, this Easter, I will make my way back to my family, with my family to the south side of Chicago, to that congregation that serves as our church home, and I will do my best to join in the songs of celebration, not because I no longer feel the darkness that has marked so much of my journey, but because sometimes I still do. The power of hope, hope built on the resurrection, is real. If that hope could cause a discouraged and defeated group of disciples mourning Jesus' death to suddenly proclaim that Christ is risen and unleash spiritual power to transform the lives of thousands, then that hope can come alive or be rekindled in you or any of us. If the first followers of Jesus could con be convinced, so convinced, that Jesus was alive that they were willing to be disowned by their families, ejected from their synagogues, risked imprisonment and death to spread that simple message, then your hope can endure hardship too. If the early church could take in widows and orphans, rescue abandoned children, unleash Christ-like love in a way that would quietly conquer an empire, then resurrection hope can move each of us to good deeds to bless our world. And if these first followers of Jesus could believe strongly enough to live in a completely different way from those around them, 
empowering women, elevating slaves, extending dignity to those who were treated with contempt, giving up power and privilege for the sake of serving others in the example of Jesus, well, then you too can live in Jesus' way of love and gain the hope that drives out fear. One last passage for today, Hebrews 6, 18 to 20. It says, so God has given us both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. There is hope. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Jesus has already gone there for us. Let me just end today with a poem I probably share most Easter Sundays by Phillips Brooks, or Philip Brooks. And if you want to simply close your eyes and listen and take this as our kind of closing prayer, you may do that as well. Tomb, thou shalt not hold him longer. Death is strong, but life is stronger. Stronger than the dark, the light. Stronger than the wrong, the right. Faith and hope triumphant say, Christ will rise on Easter day. While the patient earth lies waking, till the morning shall be breaking, shuddering neath the burden dread of her master cold and dead. Hark, she hears the angels say, Christ will rise on Easter day. Up and down our lives obedient, walk, dear Christ, with footsteps radiant, till those garden lives shall be fair with duties done for thee. And our thankful spirits say, Christ arose on Easter day. And when sunlight smites the mountains, pouring light from heavenly fountains, then the earth blooms out to greet once again the blessed feet. And her countless voices say, Christ has risen on Easter day.